Then there were the Greeks and the Romans. There were polytheists who believed in many gods and that Zeus could come down and he could have a baby with, with human women. That's how we got the myth of Hercules. But Jews were very, very different. They believed in monotheism, one God, one creator, who was far and separate from his creation. In fact, they had a prayer called the Shema that they would pray every single day. In Deuteronomy 6, 4 through 9, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, and with all your soul, and with all your might. And these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children. The Lord our God is one. You shall talk of them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, and when you lie down, and when you rise. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand, and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. They believed the Lord our God is one, that God is the uncreated creator, infinitely transcending the universe. First century Jews were the very last people to believe that a man could be God. You might say, well, didn't, they, didn't Jews believe in different messiahs? To them, a messiah was a political leader who'd come and save them from the oppression of Rome. These people believed, though, that Jesus was actually Emmanuel, God with us, including Jesus' own brothers, James, Jude, like, if you're going to pretend to be God, like, wouldn't you, like, get some followers that you didn't grow up with? Because, <laughs> like, the very last people that are going to believe that you are God are the people that you grew up with, right? So how in the world did Jesus convince his brothers and his mom that he was Emmanuel, God with us? How, how, how did this happen? They must have seen a moral glory that went along with his claims, a transcendent greatness that matched his words. He lived what he preached. Toughness and tenderness together. Truth and love combined. Law and grace. What a strange and wonderful and perfect person. All of this they see and realized that they were looking at the very nature of God. What's the only answer that can possibly make sense for these people to believe that Jesus actually was Emmanuel, God with us? See, Jesus can't be just a great man, a great example for us, because he claimed to be God. He forgave sins. He accepted people's worship. What's the only possible answer? As crazy as it must be, that Jesus is Emmanuel, God with us. I love Sherlock Holmes, his books, and uh, one thing he says is, once you eliminate the impossible, whatever remains, no matter how improbable, must be the truth. Once you eliminate all the other options, well, he can't just be a good person because he received worship and he forgave people's sins. Or he's a totally evil guy because he's intentionally leading people astray. He knows he's not God, but he's intentionally teaching them false things. But those options aren't good. So once we strip away all the improbables, the only option, even though it seems impossible, must be the truth that Jesus really is God with us. Have you wrestled with this? The people that followed Jesus, that lived with him, that were closest to him, believed it, and they died for those beliefs. Jesus didn't leave us the option open that he's just a good teacher. He claimed to be God. He's either a raving lunatic or he knew he wasn't God, purposely led people away, and which means he's utterly evil. Or 
He is God with us. Jesus is God. Number two, Jesus is God with us. He's God with us. See, the great and beautiful thing about the Christmas story is the infinite, transcendent God, the uncreated creator, comes down into a tiny, itty-bitty living space to be with us. He puts himself in the package of a little, helpless baby. He put himself into a form so that he could embody this withness. He's God with us. He's not just some baby in a manger or some savior on a cross. He is God with us. See, prior to Christmas, the presence of God was terrifying. Whenever God came near, what did it look like? To Job, a whirlwind. To Abraham, a smoking furnace moving through the air. To Moses and the people of Israel, a pillar of fire. It was terrifying. Every time God shows up, it's scary. It's terrifying. It's, it's pure, raw power. But see, it's one thing to experience God, to see the fire and the flame. It's another thing to be with God, to meet him. It's one thing to just experience God. So you can go through life and you can experience God in church and on missions trips and, and in these different things that you do. You can experience the power of God. You can experience the presence of God. But there's a big difference between just experiencing it and knowing it, being with Jesus. Uh, one of my best friends, Dan, I've shared this before, but Dan is a bass player for a band called The Afters. One of my favorite bands, even if he didn't play for them. Uh, it's really cool because uh, in the NHL playoffs, they always play music from The Afters. Uh, last year, right before the Super Bowl, they had some songs on. Uh, great band. And, you know, Dan and I go way back. Uh, but he was in this band, he's in this band with, with these other guys. And it was so fun early on, Dan was in the band, to go see him play and do his thing up on the stage and and, uh, and, and just experience the band and playing, and that, it was really fun. But there's a big difference between just experiencing a band in a concert and being with them. And as I got to know the other guys in, in that band, uh, when we lived in Madison especially, uh, I'd come in and I'd pick them up and we'd hang out, we'd go to dinner, and we'd talk. And then it seemed that show the night in front of thousands of people, they're playing and I realize there's a big, big difference between just experiencing a band and sharing a meal with those musicians. It's a whole another level. And Jesus came, not that we could just experience him up on a stage with lights and, and, and sound and fury, but that we could share a meal with him. See, in, in the Old Testament, the Old Covenant, when Moses asked to see God, he said, he was told, no, if you see me in all my unveiled glory, it will kill you. So he said, here, go into this cleft of this rock. I will hide you and I'll pass by me and you can see me, the back of me. And even that was enough that when Moses came down from the mountain, he was so touched by that experience of God that he had to wear a veil over his face for several hours until the glory went away. Can you imagine if Moses was here this morning? listening to the Christmas story. John 1, 17 says, For the law was given through Moses up on this mountain. 
He experienced God. But grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. 2 Corinthians 3 tells us Moses had to wear a veil because of how he experienced God. But Christ came to remove that veil. 2 Corinthians 3 says, And we all with unveiled face, not like Moses who had to wear a veil, but we all with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. If Moses was here this morning, he would be jumping up and down and saying, Don't you understand what this means? This is the very thing I was denied. I wanted to see God. You get a chance through Jesus. You can meet God. He would say, where is your joy and your amazement? The, the, the uncreated creator, the transcendent God has come down, clothed himself in flesh to be with us. Moses would say, where is your childlike awe and wonder? You get to experience what I longed for. God with us. And see, Jesus took away the sin, the terror, the fear, the barrier of guilt between us and God. He took away any veil that we could be with God. There's a big difference between just experiencing God and knowing God. There's a big difference between experiencing God and knowing God. Martin Luther, another well-known German pastor from the Reformation period, he was very, very religious for a long time. He was a, a priest. He taught Romans in seminary. He confessed his sins twice a day. This is all before he was a Christian. It's like a person who goes to a concert and experience, experiences the band but hasn't met them. And one day, he says, I was studying Romans 1.17. I was trying to earn my righteousness. Suddenly, I realized that Jesus Christ died for me. At that moment, he was born again. At that moment, he went from just experiencing God, from some vague thing to a relationship, to being with God. He moved from a general experience of God to knowing that Jesus is God with us. He met God. He moved from God to God with. God with. And number three, Jesus is God with us. He's God with us. Jesus is Emmanuel. God with us. But notice it's not God with all. It's God with us. It's not God with all. So the word us it's a limiting term. Matthew doesn't say Jesus is going to be God with all. Who's the us in this story? Is it just some exclusive group that have earned the right to know God, to be with him? Is it just people that are born to the right family, the right race? No. Let's look at the context of the Christmas story. The us is always people who have been invited and then people who respond to that invitation. Us is always people who have been invited and then respond to that invitation. People who are humble, the outcasts, the shepherds, astrologers living in the Near East, people away from society, the poor in spirit, the spiritually bankrupt, adopted kids and single moms, hardworking carpenters trying to do the right thing. 
The us is always those who have been invited, but then we respond to the invitation. And Jesus offers that same invitation to each and every one of us. But we have to respond. The shepherds had to respond. The wise men had to respond. That he's God with us. It's an open invitation, but it's not to all. It's not just that everyone gets in it, but it's those who respond to that invitation. So what does this mean for you and me? Number one, it means that all are invited. If you've not responded to that invitation, Jesus wants to invite you to come, to move from some general experience of God. Maybe you felt something. Maybe you've a vague understanding of God and his power to knowing him, to sharing a meal with him, to responding to the invitation of God with us. Number two, if Jesus is God with us, then maybe you need to take off some limitations you have placed on your life. If Jesus is truly God, do you think your bad habits or your addictions or your debt or whatever mess you found yourself are any match for him? Do you think there's anything in your life that is too big for him? He is the uncreated creator. He is above all, beyond all. Nothing is too big for him. And he's come to be with us. And nothing in our life is too big for him to meet head on. Whatever it is in your life that you are struggling with, that addiction, that habit, whatever it might be, bring it to Jesus. He is God and he has the power to change anything. Number three, Christmas is getting near to Jesus. It's getting with him. We can have this attitude just wanting to survive the Christmas season, but Jesus says, no. Take some time to be with me. Look at what Jesus did to be near you and me. He left heaven, this tiny little itty-bitty living space, to be with us. If he did all that for you and me, what are you going to do to spend time with him these next couple weeks? What's keeping you from being near him? A habit? A lack of discipline? Are you too busy? Whatever it will cost you to give up to be near him is nothing compared to the cost that he gave up to be near us. He clawed his way from heaven to earth to be near us, to be with us. Can we wake up 30 minutes earlier to be with him? Can we turn off our phones? Whatever it is, our sacrifices are so small compared to the sacrifice that he made to come be with us. What are we willing to do in order to draw near to him now that we've seen what he has done to be near to us, to come be God with us? Here at Mosaic, we like to talk a lot we want to be a church that is a blessing to our community. Number one, we believe that God has blessed us with, with love and grace and forgiveness. And so we've been blessed to be a blessing. So we want to bless others. We want people to feel like they can belong. We like to say that you can belong here at Mosaic even before you believe, even when you have questions. We want you to find the place where you can ask those questions. To say, Okay, 
this guy really claimed to be God? He really forgave people's sins? What's, I don't understand that. Help me understand this. Now, ultimately, people will find belief in Jesus. Because we truly believe the best way to live is not running our own life, but to bow the knee to Jesus and say, okay, you created me. You have the right to tell me how to live. And, and I want to live in the way that you say is the best way for me to live. And we don't stop there. We want to be bringers of blessing, bringers of belonging, bringers of belief. And one of the ways we do that is through what we call small groups. It's a way to experience God with us in the context of with others. And this morning, I just want to invite uh, two ladies from one of our small groups. They're on a Monday night small group uh, to come on up. And we're just gonna, they're just going to share a little bit of their story and how they've experienced blessing and belonging and belief through their group. Uh, so Risa and Heather, you want to come up? And let's give them a hand because it takes a lot of courage to get up here on stage. All right, ladies, thanks for being here. Want to introduce yourselves real quick? Okay. I'm Heather. I'm Risa. And uh, how long have you been coming to Mosaic? I've been coming about eight months. Uh, about a year and a half. Okay. And uh, how did you first hear about Mosaic? Road sign. We drove by the road sign. Nice. I used the intranets. Used what? The intranets. The internet. Excellent, excellent. Okay. Um, always good. Good, good. And so uh, they've been a part of our, our Monday night women's group. Uh, Wendy, you want, raise your hand, Wendy. Wendy's been leading that group. Give her a hand. That group's been awesome. Uh, tell us, um, actually, tell us a little bit about your experience with small groups. Have you ever been in a small group before? Um, and um, kind of your, what, any experience you had? And then uh, what led you to joining this group? I have never been in a small group before. I'm a pretty private person, which the people in my group will not agree with, but um, just kind of resistant to it, maybe, and I thought it sounded like a really great group, and it's been a huge blessing, so I would say if you've been resistant to it in the past, or maybe haven't done it in a while, to be open to it, um, the ladies have been such a blessing. Um, one of my friends, Kim, said... Um, that for some reason she used me as an example, but how strangers can become <laughs> strangers can become one or can become family in just a matter of weeks. So it's just a totally different venue than coming to church because you talk about different things and you share different things. So I was open to it, maybe maybe desperate for it, I guess you could say, um, just with some different changes, uh, becoming a single mom. Um, so just wanted some other friends and family in my life, and it's been awesome. Heather? Um, well, this is my second small group, but my first on my own. Um, I was in a small group with my husband, and that was great, but I wanted something so I could connect to other women, and joining the Monday night group was a huge step for me. I'm, I'm introverted, very much so, so taking that step was huge, and just finding that family, like Risa said, it was awesome. Um, just knowing that I have those women that I can count on, that I can talk to, and that I can really lean on and ask for prayer has been amazing. 
So how, how has God used that the small group to bless you guys any specifically? Uh, we can reach out to each other, and we do uh, for prayer. We text each other when we have different things going on. Um, <laughs> I don't want to blow up anybody's spot, so I won't do that. Um, if someone has, like, I guess I'll use my silly self for an example. <laughs> I had, like, a date, and everyone was praying for me that it would go well, and it, and it didn't. So <laughs> um, it's really <laughs> It's really nice to be able to have people to connect with um, that are believers and that were thinking about me and praying for me and, and laughing with and at me. Um, yeah. With. So, with, yes. Always. And at. Yeah. Um, so, it was just, it was a huge blessing because I don't have, I have maybe like two other Christians um, in my life and sometimes I'm like, oh gosh, they've really got it all together. Um, and we've jokingly called ourselves the uh, misfits. We changed it to <laughs> women warriors, which is nice. much stronger. Um, it. It's just nice to have other people that are kind of in your same boat yeah. um, who love you and support you. So, yeah, it's been, God's really used it in an awesome way, and it's been very restorative and healing. And, um, yeah, it's been a huge blessing. Heather, what about you? Um, well, around Thanksgiving, um, sometimes it can get really stressful. My anxiety is on overdrive and some of the women were reaching out to me and just letting me know letting me know that they were there for me and hey if you need to escape I can fake call you and we'll be there for you awesome. which has been amazing and it's just been so good and just finding that camaraderie has been really good we have a blast and it's hard for me to open up but I laugh so much on Monday nights it's not even funny that's great. It's a very non-traditional uh, Bible group. <laughs> uh, so, Cheryl, how, how, how has this group helped you feel like you've got a place where you can belong? It's family. You know, the women that are in our group, I know that they're there for us no matter what. And, you know, it's awkward at first. The first couple times, it's like, uh, do I really want to go? And then you go, and it's so good. And it's so amazing just to be able to bond with them and know that there's other women that are going through similar life journeys. Mm -hmm. so. You can be really honest. You don't have to feel like you have to dress up and put on your perfect church dress. Mm -hmm. You can. You can do that. Um, but you can just be really honest and just tell people where you're at, and they're going to love you, and you can share where you're at in your journey with Christ and, and where you're at in the world. And it's a really good, I think it's just a really nice to be able to be honest and be loved. Cool. Word. Um, I'm trying to think how to not put, would you feel comfortable sharing? Um, I know Wendy just shared with me, there was a neat moment uh, before Thanksgiving, I know, where there was specifically praying that the holiday seasons are tough for many reasons. Um, do you either want to share about that and just how specifically you're praying for each other and, and to make it through the holidays? Anything about that you want to share? Um, I know that some of the women in our group are struggling with addiction, and myself included. And just being able to reach out if I'm struggling or if I feel like I'm going to use um, Thanksgiving, Family is difficult for me sometimes, 
and being around so many people all at once, I just get really, really, really anxious and stressed out and I tend to do weird things. So just uh, one of the women texted me the morning of just, hey, I'm here, I'm praying for you, you let me know if you need me. And that was a huge help and it went smoothly, it was a godsend. Yeah, I would just echo that. I would say, you know, people aren't perfect, which I think um, you've mentioned before. Um, <laughs> and imperfect people are welcome here, which is why I'm still here. Um, life is messy, and I think it's nice to be able to just be honest about that. And maybe some of the people in our group, their lives are, are messier than, than others. Um, so it's nice to just be able to be honest about that and really support each other. We really have each other's backs. Um, so people go through stuff at different times. Like, luckily not all of us at the same time. Um, so yeah, just, you know, holidays, as we said, like just surviving the holidays, it can be such a blessing. It's such a neat part of, um, part of the year and such a exciting part of the year, but it can also be really stressful. Um, and if people have different family events, situations that they're going through, um, <laughs> that, can, that can be difficult. So it's nice to be able to have each other and, and pray through that. And we're very brutally honest with each other. And Wendy tolerates us really well. Yes, and, she does. Um, we, we call her, well, we Mama call her Wendy. Mama Wendy. I love so, it. That's awesome. Yes, it's very nice. Uh, how, how has the group in the last couple of months, how has it helped you grow spiritually in your belief in Jesus and just kind of take that next step. Uh, uh, yeah, share a little bit about that. I mean, for me, it's really gotten me into prayer more and really being able to trust others and trust God. So for me, trust is a huge thing. Um, and just knowing that, okay, they're going to be there. He's going to be there. It's all going to be okay. And just be really being able to lean into that prayer more and dive into scripture more. Absolutely. Yep. So I went to a Bible college. That was a minute ago. Um, so I haven't really been involved in a church for many, many years. So it's helped me to be a part of a community because I've been um, a bit resistant to that. So you guys have been very welcoming and loving and kind to me. And um, so I've just had my relationship with Jesus just kind of off to the side and real private. Um, so it's been nice to be able to share that with people and have support with that instead of just keeping it to myself. Cool. So, you know, we probably have, uh, I forget, it's like 60, 70% of adults have been in a small group, which is awesome. But that leaves another third who have never tried one out here at Mosaic. Why, why should someone try a group, whether it's um, a couples group or a general group or a women's group or a men's group, why should someone who hasn't tried a group Try a group. What would you say? What you got to lose. <laughs> I mean, even if you feel like a tool, which I often do, <laughs> it's fun. Like awkward, like she mentioned awkwardness. I think awkwardness is fun. I just, I love that. I mean, there's nothing to lose. And if you, if you're already a believer, um, I think it can really help you grow in your faith. And even if you're not a believer, um, just the opportunity to meet other people, um, and meet friends. Um, we just have so much fun. So yeah, even if you're not there yet, if you like to have fun and you like to laugh at yourself and other people, I think this is a, this is a great, great opportunity to be able to do that. That's, that's my plug. It I didn't know that is. question was coming. So. 
it's really good to just put yourself out there. Um, you know, if you've never been in a group before, I really, really want to encourage you to do it. You find so much family and friends by doing it. It's really awkward the first few times, but that awkwardness just melts away and you really get to know one another and just, as Risa said, laugh at each other and laugh at yourself is huge. I can't remember the last time I laughed so hard than when we were in small group. Um, it, it's just a really good place to love others and, and know God and grow within your faith. Cool. Anything you want to add? You don't have to. Final thoughts? If you're lucky, uh, they might take you to the Olive Garden. Sure, yeah, that's yes. what I heard. I had to push really hard for that agenda. Because no one else week, would right? go there with me. But you guys yes. all went to Olive Garden? Yes. 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 That's awesome. It was really good. Love or God, serve others, eat bread sticks. Yes. <laughs> Sorry, Heather, what were you going to say? Nope, that was it. Okay. Can you give him a Thank hand? You. Thank you. It takes a lot of courage. You guys, I'll take your mic. Thank you. I'm going to invite the band to come on up. Um, again, we like to say here that rows don't know that the person sitting in the row next to you, they don't know what is going on in your life. They don't know what you've been through. They don't know what you're going through. And that's why we encourage circles, that when we get together on a Monday night, Tuesday night, Wednesday night, Thursday night, whatever it might be, that uh, that's when you do life with people who know you, who know what you are going through. This big idea, Emmanuel, God with us. Here you go. It can be hard even sometimes to wrap our mind around that. What does that mean, that Jesus is God? What does it mean that he's with us? But I think you see that so much in the context of a small group. It's not the end all deal, but I want to encourage you, uh, as we open up our small group signups next month, to try it out. Be in a group. And if you're in a group, try opening up more. That's where I think you really see the presence of God lived out among us when we're sharing our fears, our failures, our successes, when we're just doing life together, when we're encouraging each other to know Jesus, to be like Jesus, to do the things that Jesus did, as we are crying together, as we are laughing together, as we have fun, as we serve others. This is awesome. Sunday mornings are great to come and sit in a row, but your, your row doesn't know. Get in a circle, do life with others. Find a way to just really open yourself up to experience God with us. And there is just something about doing life with others that we experience Emmanuel. Would you stand with me? We're going to close in prayer.